Evan. This is the last of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Anne Dover. 1930, April the 21st, Amy Johnson, the 27-year-old daughter of a wholesale fish merchant, arrived today in Darwin, the first woman to fly from Britain to Australia solo. The first time my eldest brother Bram calls Mam, Ma, is when Evan, my youngest brother, was in trouble. I can see it now. Evan is standing there like a shorn sheep at harvest time. My sister Breedlin standing beside him, with her arms folded and her big dressmaking scissors in the crook of her arm. Around Evan's feet is a heap of the black curls that have been his crowning glory since he was born. Breedlin holds up the scissors and mutters, These'll be blunt now. What good will they be for cutting my cloth? Didn't be worried about that, Bree, says Bram, who has just walked into the room. I'll take our Evan down to Joe Coggins, and our Evan can ask him very nicely if he'll sharpen them for you in between showing the horses. He punches Evan on the shoulder. Won't you, Evan? Joe Coggins is the pit blacksmith who does some tool work in his shed for some of the tradesmen. He's a big man with shoulders like cliff edges. Now Evan's shorn head is moving up and down like a nodding doll as he avoids Breedlin's glare. They'll be as good as new, Bree, Bram assures Breedlin. You can count on that. It's Breedlin's turn to nod. She hands over the scissors. We all usually agree with Bram. He's pretty wise, and he's the oldest after all. Our Evan's lucky that Bram's not mad at him. These days, Evan has stopped helping Bram with his after-shift bath. This started one day when Mam shouted Evan in from the back street to help with Bram's bath. He wriggles in Breedlin's grip and glowers at Mam. I'm sick of it, Mam. I get all black too, he says. And there's blood. Mam's face darkens at that and she thrusts Evan out of the house. Our Breedlin and me offer to do the job, but Mam shakes her head saying, they're the only boys in the house of women. Wouldn't be right for any of you to do it. I bathed him naked as a bairn, so now it's down to me again. After that, Mam takes over the job of washing the coal dust from Bram's back and bathing the blood and blue bruises where his back has scraped the low seams underground. To be honest, all of us have a very warm spot for our Evan. It's true that, like our Erwin, he's a bit spoilt. But he's a boy, and is the youngest, so he mostly gets away with it. All of us pay him a lot of attention. I read to him and tell him stories. Our Adairin makes him special pies and cakes. Breedlin makes all his clothes until he goes to school. Our Bram canters down the back lane with him on his shoulders. As Evan gets older, he gets naughtier. He starts to get lost at mealtimes, a thing that the rest of us never risk to avoid Mam's wrath. He runs away from Breedlin when she chases after him to bring him in for his tea. But Evan is quickly forgiven, 
and is given his dinner or tea set in a special place on the empty table. Oh yes, we all get mad at him. Our Dee shouts at him when Mam's not there. Our Erwin pinches him and makes him cry. Of course this stops when he's old enough to tell Mam who did it, with a tear in his eye. As he grows taller, he learns to enjoy the rough and tumble of the playground and the back lane. In time, he gathers a gaggle of boys around him and they roam the back lane, throwing sticks and bricks into the backyards when they think nobody is looking. Underneath all this is the fact that Evan is brighter than our Erwin and as bright as the rest of us, even Bram. He quite likes school and is quick to learn. Being especially fond of our Bram, he likes to be near him when he's in the house. On Sundays and weeknights, when he's not at the pit, Mam allows Bram to spend time in the front room, excluding himself from this house of women, buried in books that he's borrowed from a man at the Union. Spread all around him on the front room carpet, these books tell the story in words and pictures of the underground world of the pit. Evan sometimes sneaks in and sits beside Bram, not speaking but peering at the pages with their colourful maps, showing the veins underground, things our Bram calls strata. I know this because I stand at the middle door listening. I hear Bram telling Evan, This is the wealth of our county, Evan, under our very feet, see? Our gift of wealth to the whole country. You should know, son, that without the skills and the work of the Durham Pitman, no man and no country will ever see this wealth or feel the benefit. It turns out that our Evan doesn't follow Bram into the pit. Bram fixes him up with an apprenticeship with the same Joe Coggins who has now left the pit and set up business as a blacksmith. Working with him, Evan is not confined to shoeing horses and fixing gates. He learns to fashion metal things and mend bits of machinery that have broken down. He's paid very little, but he uses pocket money, after he's tipped up his wage to our ma'am, and saves it up to buy the smart clothes that he wears on Saturday nights, strolling the high street with his friends. Our Breedland calls him quite the dandy with his narrow trousers and his royal blue neckerchief. One day Mr Coggins's brother comes up from Birmingham, where he's a foreman in a car factory. He leans against the wall in Mr Coggins's workshop and watches Evan work on a broken clock. Later, talking to our Bram, he says he'd like to take Evan back to Birmingham. He's a talented lad. Our ma'am will object, and our Bram will support her. But Mr Coggins has a word with Bram, who changes his mind, telling Evan that he should try his luck in Birmingham, where Mr Coggins has promised to fix him up with an apprenticeship to a toolmaker. It's a big city, Evan, says Bram. New things are happening there. Good chances for a clever lad like you. He looks at Mam. Isn't that so, Ma? So our Mam is finally persuaded to agree. She even buys Evan a suitcase to take on the train. We all gather at the station to say goodbye to him. But none of us cry. We are our mother's daughters after all. 
Our Bram hears from Mr Coggins that very soon Evan has won praise from his toolmaker boss for his inventive skill with mechanical things. And, it seems, is even popular with his fellow toolmakers. We hear about this from his postcards and very short letters. But, in truth, Evan will just about vanish from our lives. He turns up now and then with a present for Mam and a book for Bram. Each time he turns up, he seems taller and more grown up. His thick black hair is now slicked back with oil, and his clothes get more and more fancy. And we will notice that his way of speaking changes. He doesn't sound like he comes from here any more. His voice is all in his jaw, and his words rap out like bullets. In truth, all our ways of speaking are changing. Me, with my hospital talk. Dee, with her Bradford accent. Breedlin, with the Cornish tones she picks up from Christopher. Each time Evan turns up at the house in Wharfdale Street, his clothes get better and fancier. His thick black hair is now swept back from his broad, wide forehead. Then he starts wearing a trilby instead of a cap, with a bright tie, big collared shirt and a woollen overcoat. He draws glances all along the high street and all down the lane behind Wharfdale Street. Looks like a tally man out to collect money, says our Breedlin. Siblings. Postscriptum. So, this is our century. With the spirit of our mam at our shoulders, we seven siblings will grow up through the twentieth century. Our Bram will be the big man at the pit, and our Evan will be the big man in his car factory. And the rest of us, all girls with our various gifts, skills and talents, will make our mark with our families in our home life. Of the girls, only our Irwin and I will add to this home life our experience in and absorb the language of hospitals, factories and prisons. So, this is our century. 1930, August the 7th. Unemployment in Britain breaks the two million barrier. You have been listening to Evan, the last of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Andover and brought to you by Damselfly Books.